Today on the show, I'm going to talk about the psychology of change. I rely on you to help support this podcast. You can help me out by doing three things today. First, share this podcast with one of your friends. Help me spread the word. Second, go on to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. And thirdly, make a donation. I rely on the generosity from you, the listeners, to help support this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. There are over 70 episodes for you to go back and enjoy. All I ask is that you make a contribution. Could be the price of a yoga class, could be more. Whatever you feel that you've received from this program. You go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can also find the link in the episode description. Please make a donation, help support this program so I can continue to bring you this content. I would like to invite you to the German Kundalini Yoga Festival. It's on June 17th to the 21st. There will be many teachers sharing their experience and knowledge with you in different workshops. There will be lots of musicians there playing Kundalini Yoga music. And it will be a great time to get together. The theme of the festival is yoga and freedom, which is very fitting after the last couple of years where all festivals have been canceled. We'll be able to get together and meet in person and uh, have a good time. I'll be teaching a workshop there and also selling my flutes and giving consultations in the bazaar. You can go to kundalini-yoga-festival.de to get more information. There will be a link in the episode description. Hope to see everyone there. Okay, let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everyone is doing well. Today, I would like to talk about the psychology of change. You know, often we know what we should be doing, but we have difficulty doing it. We know the habits that are good for us. We know the behaviors that will lead us down the correct path, yet we have difficulty in changing these behaviors. And why is that? What is the psychology behind these aspects of change that we struggle with? We, we see the way our life's going and we know what we should be doing, yet we're not doing it. Or we do it for a short period of time and then we re- revert back to our old habit patterns. Why is that? What is going on? So the first thing we should look at is this question of, can you change, right? Because we think, oh, I have these ingrained patterns, and no matter what I do, I keep going back to them. And so there's this doubt in the back of the mind, can we really change? And so the first thing we want to do is really define who you are. When we say, can you change, who is the you that we're talking about? Are we talking about the body? Are we talking about the mind? What are we talking about? And this is the the question that we get kind of stuck on because we look at ourselves and say, I want to change this 
uh, behavior in my life. And so we, we go to behavioral psychology or we try to uh, trick ourselves into doing certain behaviors or reward ourselves. If I do this today, I can do that tomorrow or I can do this later. And we look for all these ways to adjust our behavior. But is this really the way to change ourselves? So again, before we begin this discussion, we really have to redefine who you are. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that you are not the mind, you are not the body. These are just your tools in navigating this life. The true you is beyond the body and the mind. The true you is the spirit or the soul, the consciousness that illuminates your life. The first thing we need to understand is anything that changes dies. Your body changes, your human form dies. Trees, plants, animals, anything that's living, even things that are not biological can change and will eventually disintegrate. Given enough time, plastic will disintegrate, uh, a chair, a house, anything, a car, eventually it will disintegrate. So then we can say that anything that changes will eventually die. And since the consciousness, the soul, never dies, it keeps going beyond this life, that means that it never changes. So that means it's either perfect or imperfect, but whatever it is, it cannot become the other. And so we assume that the soul or the spirit or the consciousness is perfect. And so then what are we talking about when we talk about change? Imagine you go through a period in your life where everything is going bad. You're not doing well with your profession. You're not doing well with your relationships and your friendships and your family. And you're having all these difficulties. Your life is not going very well. Then you go to therapy and you start to live a little differently. You start making better choices. You start having healthier relationships. You start focusing better on the career, and someone sees you and say, wow, you've changed a lot. And the last time I saw you, things weren't going so well, and now I see you and things are going very well. You've changed a lot. What happened? And we can talk about all the behaviors we've changed in our life and how these behaviors have helped us to live the life that we want to. But if it's just your behavior that has changed, why is it so difficult to change it? Right, your, your behavior is just a compilation of physical movements. You know the physical movement of walking up to your boss and asking for a raise, but why is it difficult? Because when we are talking about change, we're referring to modifying perception. The way that you perceive yourself is what changes. You don't actually change, right? I said the, the, the soul or the spirit or this consciousness doesn't change because it doesn't die. And so what is changing is the way you perceive yourself. You wake up and you look in the mirror in the morning and you see yourself as a winner or you see yourself as a loser or you see yourself as short or tall or ugly or fat or whatever it is that you see yourself as. Then you behave based on this perception. And so it's really the way that you perceive yourself is what changes, and then the actions follow this perception. If you see yourself as a failure, you're going to put yourself in situations where you will fail. And, and this is something that happens on an unconscious 
and conscious level. So if you have to go in your boss's office and ask him for a raise, and you truly believe that you deserve this raise, and you believe that this is your value, that no matter what this person says, it doesn't change how you feel about how you're valued, that you can go somewhere else and find the same pay, then why would you be nervous about asking for a raise? The reason you get nervous or the reason you have this hesitation is because in some ways you don't feel that you deserve it. Because if you felt you deserved it, why would it be difficult to ask for it? Because you know that if you deserve it, you can find it elsewhere if you don't get it here. And so this is how we kind of play tricks with ourselves, thinking that we deserve something but not really feeling that we deserve it. Because what happens in life is that we achieve in life what we feel we deserve through our actions, consciously and unconsciously. It's easy to convince your conscious mind that you deserve better, but to believe it unconsciously is more difficult. And many people aren't even aware that unconsciously they don't really believe that they deserve better and they make excuses. You're in a relationship and you think, okay, well, it's better than the last relationship I was in. It's not perfect, but it's better. What you're really saying is, this is what I deserve. Whatever you tolerate in life is your way of saying, this is what I deserve. If you're in an unhealthy relationship, if you're in an economic situation that is not good for you, What you're really doing is you're saying, this is what I deserve. I don't care if the job market is bad or whatever the situation is. If you believed you deserved better, you would find it. But we make excuses and then we blame it on these things. Well, the job market is not good or I don't have this education yet or I'm not prepared yet or whatever your excuse is. It's just a way of saying, I don't deserve this. And we see this happen in society with people who become rich very fast, like famous people. We see them earn lots of money and then blow all this money and get addicted to drugs or even commit suicide. And why is that? Is because they're trying to balance out the scales because they've achieved this and they really don't feel they deserve it. And so they're punishing themselves. And this is what we do through our behaviors, whether it's addiction to alcohol and drugs or food or television or whatever the behavior is that you're using to manage your emotions and to punish yourself is what you're doing to manage these expectations and to get to the level that you feel you deserve. And we can look at this in relationships. If you're in an unhealthy relationship and you're tolerating it, what is this saying about how you feel about yourself? And we see this example play out all the time in the woman who is being beaten by her boyfriend or her husband and keeps going back. And she says, oh, but he loves me. And what she is really saying is, this is what I deserve. And this may be because this is how she grew up in an environment and this is the the representation she saw in the family, or maybe she just doesn't feel good about herself. But imagine someone who is healthy 
and got in a situation like that. They The first time that person laid a hand on them, they would say, I'm not going back to that. I don't deserve that. I don't care what this person thinks or likes or, or whatever. I am not going to tolerate that. And so what you need to look at is, what are you tolerating in your life? Because this is the, the psychology of change, is we tolerate all these things because we feel at some level that this is what we deserve. Because like I said, most people know the behaviors and actions it takes to make themselves happy. They know how to live a good life. They can see it on television. They can read it in a book. They can look at their life and evaluate it. And most people can figure it out. Yet they have difficulty employing it. And it comes down to how they feel about themselves. And what we're really talking about is this self-love. We may say, oh, it's discipline. I don't have enough discipline. But what is discipline but a battle, an internal battle for self-love? Because do you need discipline to do something that is bad for you? Why don't we need discipline to eat unhealthy food, but we need discipline to eat healthy food? And it comes down to self-love. If you start doing behaviors like eating bad food or uh, living a bad life or, or doing drugs or alcohol that's harming your body, you're punishing yourself. And you're saying that this is what I deserve because I don't love myself. It has very little to do with discipline. It has all to do with love. Because if you look at it and say, well, I love myself, why would I want to harm myself? And this is how to change your habits, is to look at the habits that are not good and say, how am I doing this? How am I deficient in self-love in this aspect of my life? Don't I feel I deserve better? And you can do this by looking at people in your life or people that, that you admire and say, look at how they take care of themselves. Look at what they do for themselves. Why do they deserve it and I don't? And it's because the way I perceive myself and I need to look at myself in a healthier way and then evaluate these actions and say, okay, I'm doing this because I love myself. And if I'm doing something that's harming myself, say, why am I doing this? Why do I want to harm myself? I deserve better. And this is the psychology of changes. It's about love. It's about self-love. And it isn't even about change. It's about perception. And this perception is what alters or what focuses our behavior on activities that are either building ourselves up or breaking ourselves down. And again, it's easy to look in the mirror and say, oh, I love myself and still behave against this love because you don't truly believe it. And what dictates how you feel about yourself? Because this is a problem is people say, well, I'm going to wait till I feel better about myself than to make these changes in my life. But it doesn't work that way. It's the behavior that's going to change the feeling, not the feeling that's going to change the behavior to get yourself in line with how you deserve better. And so you have to push yourself and say, okay, I deserve better in my life. And one thing that's going to get me the life I want is to behave in a particular way that shows that I love myself. And so every action that you take 
is a representation of how you feel about yourself. What you need to do is become conscious of this fact and say, how is this representing love? If it's not, how do I need to change this to show myself self-love? So if you're going to sit down and eat dinner, look at the food you're eating. Is this healthy food? If not, why am I not showing myself that I love myself? I want to consume food that's going to make me feel good. I want to do behaviors that are going to be healthy for me. And it's one behavior that changes the next behavior. Now imagine you wake up in the morning before work and you do yoga because you love yourself. And you meditate. How's your breakfast after this? It's probably pretty healthy because you just showed yourself love by spending an hour doing yoga and meditation. And so you have a nice healthy breakfast. And then you go to work after having breakfast and doing yoga. How are you interacting with people? Probably in a nice way because you're feeling good about yourself. Now think about a different way. You wake up late because you're out late at night, uh, drinking, doing drugs, whatever it was. And how's your breakfast? Do you do yoga? Probably not. You don't have time. You go to work. How are you interacting with people? And so this is how one action perpetuates another action. And what you want to do is to have a foundation of self-love, to do things that show this self-love. So you look at your life and look at what are you tolerating and why are you tolerating it? If you're just saying, oh, this living situation is okay, or this job is okay, or this relationship is okay, is that what you want? Do you want just okay in your life? Why are you tolerating this? And it has to do with what you feel you deserve. And this is why it's important how we treat children, because they start to have this perception of how they feel about themselves based on how people are treating them at a young age. And maybe this has happened to you. You grow up in a certain situation, and we look at our family, we look at our situation as this kind of mirror to project our role models or to project our imprint in our mind of how we feel about ourselves. You need to break this perception and make sure that every action you take is this action of loving the self. And it comes down to this way of thinking. And what happens is that your mind plays tricks on you and you allow it. You are identifying with your thoughts. And remember, your thoughts are not you. Your mind tells you consciously or unconsciously that you don't deserve something, and then your behavior follows this. And, and like I said, this happens on many levels. So this foundation of change in your life begins with the psychology. You need to work on the way that you are perceiving yourself to see this internal beauty, to remove these obstacles, these limits that you're self-imposing through what you feel that you deserve. And like I said, the soul doesn't change. And if it doesn't change, what it means is that you're already perfect. You just need to perceive this beauty within and then act according to this perception. You need to learn how to acknowledge the positive in your life, right? Often we focus all our attention on what we are not doing or what we could be doing better that we don't celebrate what we are doing. 
We're not living in the moment. And life is a celebration. You should act as if everything you do is part of life's celebration. You know, we beat ourselves up for not doing what we know we should have. And in the process, we forget to acknowledge the progress we have made along our path. It's important to celebrate your accomplishments. In essence, this celebration of accomplishments is a celebration of your life. And if you are having difficulty taking pleasure in what you are doing, how much enjoyment are you really getting from this life? Sometimes we make life so hard for ourselves because we're focused so heavily on the negative in our life that we don't learn to enjoy being in the moment. And this is where happiness exists. Happiness exists in the moment. If you're thinking about how bad things were in the past or how much better they could be in the future, you're not in the moment. And this is like trying to enjoy a party that you're not at because happiness only happens in the moment. And you need to learn how to live in the moment. And if you can't celebrate the positive, what happiness will you ever attain? Enjoyment from life happens through being present in the moment. Think about this. Life is a party, and you have been invited. Are you going to sit in the corner, be in a bad mood, go home early, or are you going to dance? Celebrate life. Celebrate your life with love. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the program. Again, please support the podcast with a donation. Go to thestoryofmepodcast.com, and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can also find this link in the episode description. And also, I'd love to hear from you. Go to the podcast website and send me a message. Ask me any question I can answer on the program. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions.